this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. Uh, we're going to continue with Dr. Naomi Wolf. So a huge development today. There was a conference that was uh, online uh, chaired by uh, Ron DeSantis um, and it had the Surgeon General in Florida we've had on uh, many times um, and really laid out, I thought, a really compelling case about what they're going to do going forward. But Dr. Wolf, I mean, your thoughts, you've been doing this for two years. You've warned people about so much of this. You were the first guys really to get geared up and have kind of uh, to get into the Pfizer documents and these documents that were supposed to be sealed for 75 years. You put teams together of volunteers that came from the war room, but you also put professionals, uh, Amy, Kelly, and your team to kind of organize this and coordinate. You got lawyers going on. You, you were, you know, the first really get there and start to try to sue, the first to go to these state legislatures, the first to really say, hey, we got to start getting some grand jury stood up. So today... And and what I like about DeSantis, uh, you know, he's not probably a guy you're going to run out and let's go have a beer, uh, but he's all business, right? And he, and he, and he just kind of cuts through it. Today, I think this thing went on. If you know a governor's schedule, how business, I think it went on for an hour and 34 minutes. It was just great content the entire time. And then we could have pulled 20 minutes of great clips of him just kind of coming in and just dropping the hammer. And what I like, it's like when you're on here with your research, there was not a lot of hyperbole. It was just kind of, we're going to stick to the facts, but we're going to pursue this. And I got to tell you, Big Pharma and, and, the, and the CDC and the FDA and the people that DeSantis and, and Dr. Uh, uh, Latipo have been fighting for so long, they got to be put on notice by this because this guy's not kidding around. Your, your, your assessment, ma'am. Yeah, well, it was actually Dr. Henry Ely and his team who um, pioneered the grand jury investigation approach. And one of the beautiful things about it, as you heard from Governor DeSantis, is that it will unearth um, records. And we've seen with the release of the Twitter files how powerful it is. Um, and with the you know uh, attorneys general lawsuits against um, CDC and and Twitter, how powerful it is to have that subpoena power. Um, or that disclosure power to release documents that the wrongdoers expect and trust will be hidden. So it's incredibly impactful. And I also want to point out, you know, what happens, what a parallel universe we're living in when you've got a governor or any elected official who's actually following the science. Because out of all of the governors in America, out of all of the public officials, um, Governor DeSantis actually summoned people who stood up from the very beginning and said, you are being lied to about lockdowns. This is going to hurt populations. People are going to die and um, and then continue to tell the truth about the relative virulence of the virus. Um, and that's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya and Dr. Martin Kuldorf um, of the Great Barrington Declaration. They've been advising him. They've been going down there repeatedly to tell him what the really, you know, what the science really says about things like 
lockdowns and even more recently about the vaccines. And Dr. Ladapo or Ladapo, I mean, these are very distinguished people who are also brave people. And they, these three, you know, researchers, clinicians, physicians didn't go along with the massive pressure on the whole rest of the medical establishment. They stood firm in actual truth and actual science. And you get different different policies as a result, you get different outcomes. So I think DeSantis, honestly, I love how he plays the game. You know, as a former political consultant, this guy has the kind, you're gonna hate this, but this guy has the same kind of genius Clinton did, President Clinton did of going right down the middle and, and whatever he's doing, making it sound like it's going right down the middle, very mainstream, very, kind of taking something that could be dismissed and will be dismissed, no doubt, by legacy media as super fringe. What, you know, he's he's calling for a grand jury, you know, in, investigation into uh, lying to, to people and hurting them around vaccine. And he's folding it right into things that people are really already familiar with and are already on board with, notably after three major books, Americans really understand that the Sacklers exploited the opioid rollout, that uh, physicians were corrupted by being essentially paid for overprescribing opioids, that um, other entities colluded, that the FDA uh, you know, was kind of corrupted as well in turning a blind eye to the harms of the opioid rollout, and that Americans have, have died and lives have been ruined. So he's kind of wrapping that well-established narrative around the lies related to the vaccines. Um, and it's it's a stunningly smart move. I respect the heck out of him. He he did a good job and he's he's being super well advised. But it, the, the two predicates that are laid out here, the predicate of the opioid situation as it opens people's eyes, well, hey, these guys lied before, right? Or they misled us before. Right. Is it also you think this how how much you think this is linked to what Musk has done uh, not just at Twitter, but what is exposed. He really hasn't got, he started to get into, he hasn't, he, they're just starting to get into the, to the, the whole um, uh, COVID part of it. And I mean, he's right. been pretty brutal about, you know, prosecute Fauci, tying Fauci directly to the 6 million dead uh, coming from the gain of function experimentation. But how much you think of, of DeSantis even having it today? Cause you had obviously the great Barrington, declaration folks and we know that they were the ones that would try to they try to suppress uh it, it out of the box as much as anybody else how much of what he did today is tied to both you just lay at the predicate for opioids how much is laid out also with what's happened at uh, at the social media town square of twitter yeah well it's definitely like i love a day like this because it it's a day where you really have to look at the whole battlefield and and you really have to see how victories over here affect victories over here and empower people who are still, you know, fighting to to gain a, a goal or a stronghold over here. I mean, as you know, I kind of love your your new intro or your relatively new intro because we are in a war. Right. And it is a new revolution. And if people don't realize that by now, they they need to wake up, you know, and you need to choose a side. You can either go with George III or you can come on over with the people who are building a new America. Um, and it's not going to end well for you if you, you know, if you stay with the monarchists. Uh, and and so that's that's where we are. Um, so I think that the Twitter revelations 
certainly empower uh, Governor DeSantis to do what he did today. Um, certainly the opioid decision, which is the same day, right, or at least the announcement is the same day, empower him. I kind of think that people respect him, though, because he would have announced it anyway. But these other um, movements on the chessboard uh, help him. That that said, the bigger thing, right, than, you know, Elon Musk, an oligarch, uh I mean, I'm always suspicious of people's desire to have a white knight kind of save the day. We don't know what his final agenda is. But anyway, for whatever reason, yes. he's disclosing and disclosing, right? And and the wrongdoing, not just of the attacks on people like me, people like Malone, the coordination, the FBI, the, you know, all the wrongdoing, right? It's all being disclosed. As you said, the 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 poison related to lying about the vaccines, you know, that's going to come out. But bigger than all of that is is, you know, what what I think Boris Epstein was saying, all of this is tied together. You know, all of this is tied together. We were lied to right down the line about the elections, about the vaccine, about the lab leak about gain of function. We were lied to, and it was an alliance of bad actors who coordinated who coordinated their lies in a way that I've described in my book, The Bodies of Others, but which is pretty impressive. But you know, the 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 work of so many brave people chipping away, chipping away, standing in their truth. I've got to hand it to you guys. All those people who since 2020 have said there was a coup, the the you know the vote wasn't counted correctly. Uh, I didn't believe that, you know, early on, but now I see that that was true. And and all those people who did not back down and were talking to people way down to like the local precinct level in Texas, you know, just patriots and citizens who said, wait, this is wrong. And I'm going to stand here being called a crazy person saying what I know, right? Because truth matters. That helped. And all of those brave doctors you know, Bhattacharya and Kuldorf and Jeffrey Tucker and all of those people. And I was there at AIER watching this unfold, who stood, you know, being attacked, losing their jobs, losing their institutional affiliations, being told you're letting it rip, you're killing grandma, and standing there truth saying, no, actually lockdowns are going to kill children. It's going to starve people. A billion people are going to be pushed into, into poverty and starvation. You know, they chipped away at it. Governor DeSantis, I've got to give him credit, you know, Ladapo, the people who are advising him, and all of you, you know, all of the posse, the 3,500 people working with Amy Kelly, um, you know, the 250 lawyers uh, who are volunteering with us, you know, our six legal teams, you know, all the other kind of patriots around the chessboard who just wouldn't go along with a massive steamroller of lies that was completely coordinated across multiple sectors. Um, they finally, finally made it. We, we've, we're, we're starting to exhaust the enemy. And when, when, and I learned this from my husband, Brian O'Shea, a soldier and a strategist, but when the enemy is tired, the enemy makes mistakes. And the other thing I learned from Brian O'Shea is you want to turn monsters against monsters, right? And they take they take each other out. And that's what we're seeing now. So, you know, Dr. Fauci is going to start to crack because he's under pressure. He's going to start to name names. Rochelle Walensky, God willing, is going to start to crack. She's going to start to name names and people are going to jump ship. Um, China's relative weakness economically is going to help. You know, and I can't see the future much as I sometimes, you know, have strong uh, intimations of the future. Um, but what I do see is a kind of systemic 
weakening of the structure of the lies. And that's what's important about the Twitter files. Um, and I just want to say one more thing, which is, you know, it's kind of more different. Like I, I had so many embarrassing moments as a former liberal in the last two years. But one of the really embarrassing things to witness now is all these legacy media spokespeople and institutions that were so all over Twitter when Twitter was deplatforming President Trump, deplatforming, you know, Robert Malone, deplatforming me, deplatform, you know, calling you names, no doubt. Um, you know, all of them treated that as their sacred, holy uh, town hall. And now that there's actual freedom of speech, right? Um, or, or it's getting there. I'm still banned. Uh, they're, they're like, oh, it's a crazy cesspool of misinformation. I think those were Dr. Fauci's words. Oh, it's, you know, it's a dangerous place. We've got to flee. And it's, it's just mortifying. You know, it's like, be a grown up, have a conversation or deal with it. Let's like, to be told that you lied. If you lied, be present to be uh, confronted with your lies. Two publishers have come together, put them both out, the real Anthony Fauci and the bodies of others. If you give this to anybody for Christmas or even for, as a New Year's gift, they will, you will not be, uh, they, they will commend you because these two are kind of blockbusters. The journey of uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf and what she found out on the way and how she warned America and, of course, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Two. I won't say former liberals or former progressives, good people. Let's say good people who stood for their country, patriots. Uh, Dr. Wolf, how uh, we got a long, we got a long way to go. Trust me. We're still in the top of the first in this one. Uh, Give me, how do people get to daily cloud? How, how do they find you on social media? Come to dailyclout.io. I'm Dr. Naomi R. Wolf on Getter. My Substack is outspoken and, uh, you can order The Bodies of Others at allseasonspress.com, and you can order that fabulous two-volume set that I'm so honored to be part of. And you've all been so yeah. responsive Love with this. helping us with our big legal fights. Please keep that up with your uh, support of Daily Cloud. Um, I so appreciate it. Got a long way to go, but we're getting there. Thank you for thank you for doing this, Dr. Wolf. We're a true hero. It's, it's a great uh, chance to be part of. Thank you, Steve. It's a good day. Um, I want to play a cold for uh, Natalie Winters, our young investigative reporter. Let's play the cold, uh, and then we're going to come in and talk about this and talk about Twitter, and we got Darren Beatty ready to go, too. Let's go ahead and hit it. So speaking of Musk, what did you think about that tweet this morning? You know, I'm getting asked by all of these people right today, come on the show, and how do you respond to Elon Musk? I don't respond to him. I don't pay any attention to him because that's merely a distraction. And if you get drawn into that, and I have to be honest, that cesspool of interaction, it, it, it's, there's no value added to that, David. It doesn't help anything. Here you are after this storied career about to step down from this position as you go on to new adventures. And Elon Musk tweets out, his pronouns are prosecute Fauci. So he's describing you as a criminal yeah. who you should be prosecuted. And how do you feel when someone with that big a megaphone yeah. labels you a criminal? Well, to be honest with you, Andrea, I don't, I don't pay attention to that. I mean, yeah, he has a big megaphone, but I mean, the Twitter sphere as it is has really gone berserk lately. It's got to become almost a cesspool of misinformation. So I don't, you're really not even sure what he said, but I don't pay attention. I don't have a Twitter account. I don't tweet. 
and I don't listen to tweets. So whatever he said, I'm not paying attention to it. Well, you had plenty of defenders. John Brennan, the former CIA director, says Dr. Fauci is a national hero who will be remembered for generations to come for his innate goodness and many contributions to public health. Despite your business success, he said to Elon Musk, you will be remembered for fueling public hate and divisions. Right. I mean, but the real impact of the public hate and the divisions, the politicization of public health, That's bad. is really something that yeah. you've had to deal with. Well, I've had to deal with, and even though I don't listen to or bothered with those strange, bizarre tweets like, prosecute me for what? I mean, I, I don't know what he's thinking about. What the what it does is it it really prosecute you for your crimes. Prosecute you for your crimes, you criminal. You're going to get prosecuted. You're going to get prosecuted because you're a criminal. Uh, Natalie Winters uh, on his good. He, he's so addicted now to the good. It's supposed to end with like the Sunday shows, but now he's going on Andrea Mitchell's. <laughs> it's the Andrea Mitchell show at noon that they kind of got her. She she's half doesn't half remember where she is most of the time. Talk to me about this. You had him on Axelrod. He doesn't follow Twitter. His daughter works there, doesn't she? Isn't she like one of the senior executives? I've never heard of Twitter. It's a cesspool. Two weeks ago, it was the greatest public platform they ever had. And by the way, he didn't just say prosecute him. Later, he said, like Natalie Winters typed it up, oh, you did the gain of function and you're responsible for six million dead people. Okay, Natalie Winters, what do we got here with Fauci on his farewell tour? Well, I stand by what I said, and I think you just alluded to it. It really is becoming the farewell tour and not just one exit interview. He seems to be unable to stay away from these cameras. And obviously, Fauci is known for giving ridiculously, you know, contradictory medical advice. But I think you even see it um, in these interviews, too, in terms of his kind of personal position on Twitter. He's like, oh, I have no idea what these people are saying. It's a cesspool of misinformation. But meanwhile, he knows exactly what they're saying. Please, I'm sure he probably has all these, you know, bot accounts so he can look at what everyone's saying about him. He's probably tweeting positive things about himself. And like you said, his daughter used to work there before jumping ship to go work for an even further left organization. Um, so it's just kind of the continued Fauci spin, Fauci lie uh, that we got when he was serving at the NIAID, which I'm sure will continue once he departs. Um, so I, I'm not surprised. And I think that moment where he goes, you know, prosecute me for what and kind of laughs uh, really just shows you, I think, how narcissistic, egomaniacal, whatever words you want to use that's synonymous to that. Um, this man is he has no remorse for what he did um, and the mainstream media, I think, is completely complicit um, in allowing him to act like that. What do you think about this uh, grand jury that. Uh... DeSantis is going to go to the Supreme Court of the state of Florida, a grand jury being paneled to look at uh, all the violations of people in the Florida uh, because of the uh, because of the vaccine. Give me your assessment of that. Um, I think that represents taking accountability from just a talking point to something that's actually actionable. You know, there was such outrage and uproar in response to that Atlantic article that was pushing for pandemic amnesty, not just because it was some crazy lady writing for the Atlantic, because I think it really struck a chord with a lot of people, because so many people who've either profited from the pandemic politically um, or financially uh, seem to be getting away with it and continue to be getting away with it. And there's no better example of that than Anthony Fauci in those interviews, right? Getting a softball interview, softball questions, coach pitch, as, as you would call it. 
Um, so I think what Ron DeSantis is doing here in Florida, and I'm proud to be a resident of Florida for that reason, um, is actually bringing accountability, actually looking into people um, who otherwise wouldn't be looked at. And, and I think the fundamental issue is that the reason why people like Hunter Biden um, and all of these members of the establishment do the nefarious things that they do, um, I think with such just, you know, apathy um, for any of the ramifications for how it affects the American people, besides the fact that they obviously don't care about the American people, they think that they can get away with what they've done. They think they can do whatever they want. It's their country. They run it. Um, and I think Ron DeSantis is setting a precedent. I mean, really any of these leaders who want to go after people for what they did during the pandemic, um, that, you know, we don't have short term memories. We remember what you did to us. And we need to make a lesson out of how people treated COVID-19 um, as an excuse to, I think, really just do away with fundamental American rights, civil liberties, uh, you name it, destroy really a future generation in terms of shutting down these schools. Because if we don't make an example of what people like Anthony Fauci did to this country, they're only going to be more emboldened, more financially well off. Um, so it's time that these people are held accountable. And I know that was always a, a cliche talking point. Um, but I think, you know, with these congressional investigations, um, with what Ron DeSantis is doing down here in Florida, I think this represents this new stripe of conservatism of elected Republicans um, who aren't just using talking points, aren't just doing, you know, clickbait speeches, um, but are actually kind of providing the action and doing something to really provide substance um, to their their talking points and what they're actually going after. You, 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 you mentioned memory and we talk about collusion. One of the things about uh, looking at Twitter, it's not just the executives, it's the collusion with whether it's the biomedical uh, security uh, apparatus or the national security intelligence. And we got uh, Darren Beatty coming from in a moment to talk about how the, the corporations work hand in glove, right, uh, with the think tanks and all of it. Right now, though, you talk about the memory hole. The Internet is never forgets. Talk about this blockbuster <laughs> story you've got up because there's somebody in the news and they look at his Ph.D. thesis. And is this guy regular? Now he's out there saying he and his husband or he and his wife, whatever it is, ha had to leave their house because they're being, you know, maggots chasing them. But you found something that's particularly disturbing and you got it as a big exclusive up on uh, up on world. Talk to us about it. Yeah, uh, boo-hoo, I don't really feel all that bad for, for Yoel Roth. Um, and, and what we uncovered today on warroom.org is just another example of, I think, a very, I would say, checkered past to be euphemistic. Um, but other people would probably say evidence that this man really has a weird affinity for defending pedophiles and making it a lot easier for older men to interact with either younger women, um, and by younger women, I mean teenagers, um, or younger boys. That was kind of the central note of his PhD thesis. But what I uncovered today was a blog post from 2011 that he's since deleted, but it was titled Anthony Weiner, Manhunt and the Behaviors of Single People. And I'll read you a direct quote because I think going to the, the primary source, letting these evil people speak for themselves is, is the best example because he quite literally defends Anthony Weiner. That is the Anthony Weiner who was convicted for underage sexting, um, sending while being married to the longtime Hillary Clinton aide, Huma Abedin. Um, but this is what he says. The problem lies squarely with the easily distractible American electorate rather than with anything former Representative Weiner said or did. 
I don't know that I've come to equilibrium on the issue of whether as a human being and a married man, he actually did something wrong. He is a paragon of marital fidelity with the possible exception of the sexting. In this scenario, has Anthony Weiner done anything wrong? The most intuitive answer is no. And I'll leave you with this quote. If Anthony Weiner's only sin is liking himself a little too much, then he's a effing saint by internet standards. It's disturbing, <laughs> and particularly when we tie it to his PhD thesis on, I think, the site's called Grinder, which he was making kind of these uh, analysis about uh, how it could be open uh, for younger people or access to younger people. If they couldn't, it had to be a certain age, they, they could have these affiliate sites. It, it leads one to believe he doesn't take this stuff that seriously or he actually promotes it. Well, that's to me, you know, because stories like these, I understand how they can sort of be perceived as noise and not signal, right? It's just finding old deleted articles. But I've watched a lot of his old speeches now, though a lot of them have been deleted. But this is a man whose entire career, um, he admits to it that his research was focused on gay dating apps um, and how he didn't like that the app store was not allowing the users of this app to, to basically share like explicit images, you know, extremely explicit images. I, I, I know this is a family friendly program, so I won't get into details, but his entire background really is bizarre in that it doesn't necessarily comport with someone who should be running Twitter's trust and safety operations. He's really more of like a social justice type activist for gay dating apps, which is a, a very niche field. Um, but I think it sort of speaks to the bigger problem with Twitter, which is what we've been talking about for a while now, which is that it really is an intelligence operation and that these kind of front men that you see, these people like Joel Roth, um, you know, the FBI probably realized it would be a lot easier to exploit someone who didn't actually have any experience in the field um, of what he was doing. He was really just masquerading as this sort of LGBT activist for gay dating apps like like Grindr. Um, it'd be a lot easier to exploit someone like him than someone who actually knew what they were doing. Because meanwhile, once you have Donald Trump inaugurated, if you look at a lot of LinkedIn profiles on people who work at Twitter, um, they started hiring a ton of ex-FBI employees. So it's sort of an interesting, I think, hiring approach at Twitter where, you know, they're hiring members of the FBI. While also you have people like Yoel Roth, who, like we said, are just kind of social justice, far left figureheads who are, I, I would argue, ideologically vapid, so they're easier to exploit. Um, but it just really makes you you question why Twitter hired him in the first place. And Natalie, how do people get to you over at War Room, and how do they get to you on your social media, ma'am? I am Natalie G. Winters on all platforms, and you can go to warroom.org to keep up with the latest stories. And I don't want you taunting any more of these uh, bad guys. She was at the gala no. the other night. I will get into that another time. I got it. Uh, I'll show the picture to the audience. Then the audience can judge. <laughs> Natalie, keep going. Another great Thank exclusive you. on War Room. Thank you very much, our executive editor. Okay, short break. Uh, Darren Beatty next with the latest scam. You're not going to believe this one. Next. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, a deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon 
989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bannon to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bannon to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back. Uh, uh, Darren Beatty, give us your update. You know, Twitter is every day there's another revelation. There's another dump. Just get us up to speed. You just heard the exclusive that Natalie Winters has got on your favorite, uh, was it Trust and Security guy, Trust and Faith. Um, trust give us your assessment on Twitter. Then you, then, safety. Yep, trust and Thank safety. you. And then you're going to, trust and safety. Then you're going to give us, uh, your Roth doesn't sound like the guy. Safety doesn't come to mind when I, I think of him. But then you're going to tell us about the newest scam that they've got. So but walk us to give us your assessment of Twitter first. Absolutely. One of our uh, more salacious pieces, not intentionally, just given the nature of the content. Um, I mean, this guy, he's literally in charge of content moderation, that is censorship, on the world's most important communications platform, who is a key decision maker in deplatforming a sitting president of the United States. And his credentials, his qualifications for such a role are a 300-page dissertation on a ridiculous in its own right, but we actually did a deep dive, um, believe it or not, <laughs> into this dissertation, and it's one of our more provocative pieces. is up on revolver.news now, but leaving aside the salacious details which are available in the piece, I think what's pertinent about this, and Natalie touched on this in her excellent reporting, Yoel Roth is the whole thrust, um, I shouldn't have used that word, the whole, the whole thrust of Yoel Roth's dissertation here was to complain about censorship rules on gay dating apps and to celebrate ways that the users of the apps would creatively circumvent those speech and communication restrictions on the dating apps, which is very interesting because fast forward to his role as the most important content moderator, moderator in the world, basically, he's engaging in precisely the same types of circumventions, only not to exercise free speech, not to circumvent speech restrictions, but to circumvent his own stated policies in order to come up with pretextual reasons to censor people with whom he disagreed politically. And that's really the kind of the ultimate dark irony of the whole thing is that the guy who's hated on how do we circumvent the speech restrictions on gay dating apps so we can send each other more explicit photographs, 
becomes the guy who is like, how do we creatively interpret our own speech rules so that we can engage in more expansive censorship than the rules allow in order to completely silence our political enemies during a critical uh, period leading up to a presidential election? Talk to us about this new piece you've also got up. It's it's very disturbing because it shows you they're never going to stop. They're always going to come up with another angle of attack here. They've got another way to suppress. The, 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 the apparatus has free speech is its mortal enemy, right? It, it's, and it has to suppress free speech. The, the, the regime can't have free speech. So what's the latest scam that you guys have unearthed? Well, this is really important, and I'm really glad to be able to speak to the to the war room family because these are these are the warriors who need to know the truth first. And you know, there's a certain kind of rhetorical technology uh, that the regime used in order to justify censorship, the whole disinformation scam. And we're on top of that. And everybody listening to this knows that disinformation is this national security pretext to not only shut people up, but to brand them as national security threats. Now, there's a latest evolution in their sort of censorship technology. This is not disinformation. It's something they call brand safety. And it's been the preeminent a tool that they've used to try to take down Elon's Twitter now that it allows for more free speech. They've used it against the most effective conservative sites out there, including Breitbart, by the way, which is which is an interesting history. And basically, it's a mafia shakedown technique where they say, hmm, this platform, this website, you're, you're not censoring enough. This is right wing. And we noticed that you had certain advertisers. And so they go to the advertisers and say, you know what? It's really dangerous for your business to have your content appear next to politically conservative things. It would be a shame if you had mobs, Twitter mobs attacking you, or you had people harassing you for your brand appearing alongside this content that we find objectionable. Now, the real kind of insidious aspect of this whole scam is the whole threat is predicated on the expectation that their brand is going to be attacked. But the attacks come from the very people who are these brand safety experts themselves. And it's really like, just exactly like a mafia racket. And there's a specific case of this woman who is sort of Froze. Yeah. Um, should we try to drop and reboot and let me get Colonel Harvey on here? Just go to Harvey. Yeah. Can we get Colonel Harvey on here and we'll reboot uh, Darren as we can? Uh, do we have Colonel Derek Harvey? If not, I can do I can I can do my own monologue right here. Okay. Well, we're going to try to reboot all this. Um, what uh, Darren is up uh, is talking about. You've got these uh, groups that go after people like Revolver. Is he back right there? Uh, Darren, do we have you? Yep. yep. Sorry about that okay, weird fine. connection. Okay, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe the brand safety mafia didn't like what we were talking about. But no, just to complete the story of the racket. So you have. You have on one side people going to these companies and saying, you know, it's bad for your brand safety to appear alongside conservative content that we don't like. 
But then the other hand, the question is, is it actually bad for the brand? And just as a thought exercise, nobody remembers which brands stuck with and which brands left, for instance, Tucker Carlson during the whole thing. Nobody keeps track of what brands go where. The whole idea of brand safety is predicated on a lie, but it's also predicated on a scam and a mafia type scam. Because as I said, on the one hand, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, brand X, um, wouldn't it be a shame you know, if you got attacked by people who were offended that you're advertising with these people. But on the other hand, the people who are attacking them are the same brand safety experts. And I was saying that um, this uh, sleeping giant sort of refugee, this woman who stole, you know, basically took the idea from sleeping giants and has her own thing. What she does is she has one branch of her company that's like a nonprofit that's basically doing all these attack pieces on sites like Revolver and War Room and, you know, Bongino and basically anybody who's effective, they're attacking them. But on the other side, we unearthed that there is a for-profit brand safety consultancy firm that advises brands on how to conduct safe practices. So it's almost like if you're a brand and you don't, you know, pay up, you might just be the subject of a hit piece coming from the nonprofit. It's it's a very curious, very, um, uh, very insidious. I like, I like the business. I like the business. I like the business. I like the business model. It's it's very no, it's, mafia. Either sign us up. It's, it's either sign like, us up. It's just like the mobsters going in and saying, you know what? It would be a shame if you got a fire. And then the mobster also happens to own like a security service. That's literally what it is. It's it's amazing. And you know the sad thing is, is that we the, the, we need to educate these brands to say you don't have to succumb to this dumb scam. You can just tell the fly to buzz off. It doesn't matter. And you know what? Elon Musk, to his great credit, another great thing he's doing. So I might have to lift that other pom-pom up a little bit because he's told these brand safety people to screw off too. And uh, many other companies are encouraged by this and they're following suit. You don't have to give them that power. They don't have it. They rely on the illusion of power. So, um, you know, it's critical to stop allowing this scam to take place. And it's been a constant annoyance throughout the kind of the effective players in media, you included, I'm included, a lot of a lot of people are included, and it's just time for this scam to stop. And so this latest piece at Revolver.News is a full-on expose of just how dark, how dirty, and how frankly fundamentally stupid it is. So Brands needs to wise up. It's good for your brand. As Michael Jordan said, conservatives buy sneakers too. Republicans buy sneakers too. What's good for your brand is to not alienate half the country by caving to the demands of some kind of disgruntled sleeping giants refugee. But here's what you're going to see, and this is one of the powers of what DeSantis is doing today. And it's, obviously, he's very tied to Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk, we played, uh, I think you might have just gotten up um, about, you know, uh, d- d- um, Fauci's in total meltdown. He's going on a good world. Will, yeah. His farewell interview tour is now everywhere. He's doing podcasts. <laughs> he's doing Andrea Mitchell uh, at the noon show that, you know, draws like 35 people watch it. 
uh, and he's whining the entire time about uh, about Twitter and about people coming after him. I mean, Elon Musk has been particularly brutal that he connects him directly to the gain of function, which Fauci's in back of, and the six million people are dead, and Fauci's lost it. But you see DeSantis come out today, and DeSantis said, hey, I'm going to go to the Supreme Court of Florida, request a uh, a grand jury be seated. And, you know, he's had people that we had on the show back in the spring of 2020, the Great Barrington uh, de- uh, Declaration folks from Stanford and from Yale and from Harvard that were all banned by Twitter immediately. As this comes up, I think the branch is going to have, you know, the world's an efficient market. You're going to see that, hey, guess what? These people were not conspiracy theorists. And this is the thing that you sh- you're seeing on what Elon's uh, exposing right now. It's not, it, it's like Yoel Roth and these guys are, you know, it's a, it's an intelligence operation. They happen to be the people and they're not qualified. It's one of the things I think you're seeing now where they have people that are not qualified for these billets. And that's why they're so easily controllable or malleable by these government entities. You know, it's, it is a crime scene. It is a intelligence apparatus. Uh, and this was an intelligence op. And I think more and more brands see, oh, guess what? The mass man, they think these guys were right. And everybody that I listened to that I had brand association was wrong. The vaccines, the same thing. The whole pandemic, which was the reason we started the show. Election fraud. You're going to see so much of the border, right? Oh, it turns out it is an invasion on the southern border. Not not that, uh, you know, we have border security. If you look at just one, or, or the Ukraine war is another perfect example. If you just look at one topic after the other that are not the next big thing as far as the media goes, and then look at really the track record of people, you'll, you'll see the track record. And I think you'll see, I think the world's an efficient market. And so I, I see that these people are dark. I didn't know they had that business model, which I kind of admire the fact of how <laughs> pure gangster it is. Right? It's, it's pure gangster. She's learned something. It's pure gangster, by the way. Either, you know, if you don't, you know, you don't want the brand association with these bad guys, but oh, by the way, in case you don't, don't hire us, we've got another guy who may drop a couple of dimes on you, right? Drop a couple of stories. But I want no, to go it's... back to your Roth, you know, this thing, and you, you guys did a great job, and it is quite salacious. First off, what's happened to American education when a guy does a 300-page PhD on a social media app that's a dating site, and this happens to be a gay dating site, talking about how I... young people can get involved or get, to get, or get the pictures, and he gets a, it's a, how do you defend that thesis? And it's, a, you get a PhD for that. I mean, what kind of country are we living in, right? Besides yeah. the fact he's as, obviously not qualified for what he did, and that was obvious, sir. You know, as, as a former academic, I experienced uh, this in a, in a very poignant way. I was joking, uh, joking on Twitter. It's like, you know, I spent 10 years of my life you know, attempting to master the history of political philosophy. I remember very difficult nights, you know, chain smoking, three packs of cigarettes, pacing back and forth all night, racking my brain to master, you know, just five important pages of uh, of Rousseau or something like that. I write my dissertation on the structure of modernity from the standpoint of the German 
philosopher Martin Heidegger's philosophy of mathematics and all of this. And, and yet this guy, Roel, Joel Roth, comes out of nowhere, writes his dissertation on his recreational activities on a gay dating app and complaining about how they censor his ability to like send nude pictures to people. And he goes on to be the chief content moderator at the most important speech platform in the world. I'm thinking, boy, I need to reevaluate my life here. What was I doing in academia? So um, <laughs> it is, <laughs> it, it's one of those things like joke is on me, apparently. <laughs> the joke is on me. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really yeah. No offense, when you were doing Heidegger, doing when you were doing the structure of modernity off of Heidegger, Maybe that was the first hint, right? That the you know a guy takes something a little more topical, like grinder. Right. But hey, I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but it, but but there, there's something deep and not not you know we don't mean to joke about it in that um, the the intelligence apparatus knows how to manipulate people like that. That's what you see. The entire what what's so shocking is the infantile nature of the entire management team of uh, of Twitter. When you're seeing their communications with each other, these are not serious people. They're certainly not people that you would call heavyweights or killers or, or people that are on Wall Street or even in Hollywood or in corporate America and government and finance. These are not they're not the best. It's a collection of lightweights, but they had such incredible power. One of the reasons they had power, they were empowered by the intelligence and the national security in the law enforcement community. Is that is that what it's going to get down to, that these people knew they were not qualified for what they were doing, so they were taking guidance all the time from our own government and government sources? Well, I think somebody like Yoel Roth is far too delusional to have the kind of self-reflection required to understand his own mediocrity and irrelevance. And so I think he actually did think of himself as important and qualified uh, because what other qualification do you need other than being the world's foremost expert on the gay dating app to you know run content moderation for Twitter. But I think you're right in the sense that the regime more broadly speaking really relies on people like this who are extremely status conscious, credentialist, and um, are very activist in support of sort of certain key features of the regime's ideology and religion. And in this case, um, Yul Roth fit very well. And you can see from some of the internal communications that come out in the Twitter files that he was giddy at the prospect of, you know, regularly meeting with the FBI and other intelligence agencies, to, you know, DNI, uh, DHS, of course, played a very big role. And just meeting with these people who are themselves also kind of mediocre bureaucrats for the most part. I don't think we should, you know, encourage false narratives of grandiosity for, you know, these glorified, you know, intel bureaucrats either. Um, but he was so giddy at the prospect of meeting with these people. It's actually, it's really pathetic. And it shows you just how small things are behind the curtain. You know, there's, there's only a very, very small handful of these kind of evil geniuses that people imagine are lurking around everywhere in the halls of power. But really, it's mostly mediocre degenerates like Yul Roth. And that's the ultimate insult to add to the injury of being ruled by this incompetent and corrupt ruling class. How do, uh, how do people get to Revolver? How do they get to you? 
Revolver.news, white hot, read about the brand safety scam. It's the most important piece up there. And if you have the stomach for it, read the full unvarnished account of Yul Ross' dissertation, which, by the way, the University of Pennsylvania tried to censor and yank off the internet, but luckily we saved a version. So it's there for everybody to see if you have the stomach for it. And that's at revolver.news. Darren, thank you so much. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for taking time tonight. Thank you. Let me get my favorite guy on here, Crom Carmichael. Crom, uh, I've gotten so many compliments on Soul Tea. Soul Tea is all about taking care of your heart now more than ever, particularly over the holidays. Uh, what you've created is amazing. We got about ninety seconds. What I want you to do is tell our audience how they order this, because people have heard the pitch, they want to order it. How do they go and order it and make sure they get the biggest discount possible? Steve, uh, thanks again for having me. And just as a, uh, you are exactly right. Uh, the, our product is is to, to help help your heart health. It's to help you manage your cholesterol. That's where our clinical trials and our science is on that. But it does a lot of other things that we don't have. We didn't do the clinical trials on, but we get emails from from Posse customers uh, frequently that tell us about other things that is helping. And if you go to Theoflavin health benefits online, you'll see all kinds of other benefits on your blood pressure, on all kinds of things. But the way to get uh, the way to get Soul Tea, and that's our product, it's Soul Tea, is to go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. And you type in the code warroom at checkout and you'll get our very, very best offer. And that is a that's a $25.95 off your initial offer on a subscription and then when you take the subscription you always get three bottles for the price of two and free shipping so it's a wonderful deal works out to about 70 cents a day to take care of your give, heart yeah give give yourself a present for your own heart this christmas do it for yourself see you back here Thanks, at 10 a.m tomorrow morning